Definitely. So welcome to Coffee, Eggs and Inspiration. It's a weekly show that goes out over YouTube and as a podcast over all of the major channels. And each week I get to sit with an inspiring person and listen to them tell their story and share it with all of you. This week is no different. I'm joined by Andrew Block. Welcome, Andrew. Hi, Craig. How are you doing? Very well, very well. We're, we're in COVID times here, so we're doing this uh, in a distanced way over Google Meet, and we've got a very nice backdrop, uh, stylish house that uh, Andrew's in. Mine less so. I've got a few pictures on the wall here, but uh, not, as, uh, not as impressive for sure. Andrew is the founder and non-executive director now of Frank, which is a PR agency, one of the UK's most respected and award-winning PR agencies, in fact. It was founded by Andrew and Graham Goodkind in 2000, so 20 years ago. Uh, he's also the spokesperson and advisor to Lord Alan Sugar uh, and all of the apprentice winners that come out of the apprentice show. Uh, Andrew's a board advisor to PCB Partners, which is an M&A advi advisory firm, a mergers and acquisitions advisory firm. Board advisor to Propel PRM, uh, which is a technology-based PR, uh, uh, PR company, very interesting company. Uh, business mentor at the Prince's Trust, student mentor at School of Communication Arts, council member at Superbrands UK, investor in bird restaurants, and I'm very happy to say a group advisor at my company, Big Community Records Limited. Wow, what a roster. That doesn't sound at all like uh, you've entered retirement because you're out of, uh, out of Frank, at least uh, out of Frank as an executive and a, uh, a leader there. Uh, where do you find the time? Good question. I think, I mean, I, I, I'm not very good at saying no, and I, I love working with different people, different businesses, and when I made the decision to step back from Frank a few months ago, it was a tough, tough decision, but part of the reason was a slight gear change. I didn't really have a plan or anything, because I just thought, I'll do it, see what happens, and then the phone started ringing, and just all these opportunities sort of starts to come my way. And I, I think it's, I just get very excited about meeting interesting people, interesting businesses. So, and I love to um, get involved with not-for-profit organizations and charities. So I've ended up taking on quite a lot um, and probably don't manage my work and life as well as I should do, but um, you know, I'm enjoying it. So that's- the, ent the enticement of exciting work, I suppose. But let's, let's wind the clock back to when you started, Frank. I think you were 26 at the time. And yeah. it was your colleague, or I think managing director at the time, at, a, at the Lynn Franks agency, Graham Goodkind, who came to you with a suggestion. And you said, no. Tell us that story. I did. Um, well, I started my career at Lynn Franks, which was a fantastic agency. It was the agency that Absolutely Fabulous was based on completely crazy place doing amazing work. Graham was the MD there and we'd always gotten well. Um, a few years into my time there, they got bought by a big global agency called Ketchum. Graham left at the time. I stayed on, um, headed up their sport and entertainment department. And a couple of years into that, when I was enjoying myself, doing great stuff, hanging out with the England football team, it was like the dream. And so I wasn't look looking to leave. Graham had gone into the internet, set up a dot-com, which was kind of a fashionable thing to do at the time. And he said, I think we should set up an agency together. And 
I said, I, you know, I'm not ready. I'm only been doing this for sort of five years, maybe in a couple of years. And he said to me, very memorably, you will never, ever feel ready. And after a couple of times of saying no, I went through the thought process really of what's the worst that can happen? You know, it doesn't work out. I go back with my cap in my hand to my old job, find something else. You know, you have less risk when you're that age. You don't have the family, the huge expenses. So I thought I'd, I'd give it a go. So after a few times of asking, I eventually said yes. And that was the start of Frank. I love, I love that line, you'll never feel ready, and it resonates so strongly. I think it's true about moving country, changing jobs, starting a new business, getting married, having children, all that sort of stuff, these life moments. You're never ready. Uh, it's great yeah, advice. I've got to get on with it and, and do it. But I still don't feel ready for some of the stuff I'm doing today. I think you know, everyone has a little bit of that imposter syndrome and just feels like they want to do that next thing or the next thing to build up their experience, but really the best way of of learning is just to jump in and get on with it. Jump in, make the mistakes. I completely agree. So there's probably quite a few people watching this who don't understand uh, the PR industry or even what PR actually is, other than the, the word. Uh, most people are familiar with that. What is the, break it down for us and put it in really simple terms. What's the difference between PR, advertising, this other word, marketing? You know, uh, just give us the 101. Good question. Um, and the, the thing about PR is it's actually incredibly hard to explain what it is because it does so many things. But to try and keep it as simple as possible, PR is about building the reputation of a brand, a product, a person in the media, generally through earned media. So you're not paying for that media coverage. That was sort of how PR would traditionally be defined. What's happened now with the sort of onset of different forms of marketing, advertising, sponsorship, digital, social, is that PR can slot into any of those disciplines. Um, and effectively, what you're trying to do is communicate a message. So at Frank, we, we specialize in creative PR, coming up with an idea. And our ethos is about coming up with ideas that have talkability, so not just PR for the sake of it, but PR that will generate conversations and ultimately get consumers doing your best marketing for you. And then the way that we bring that message to life can be through anything. It can be through the traditional media relations of PR, but it could be through using influencers, social, digital, it could be a sponsorship, could be an ad campaign. So the boundaries of sort of what PR is and what it isn't don't really exist anymore. Um, and that probably hasn't answered your question and confused you even more than when you asked it. But it's such a hard thing to explain. And it's why I love it, because it's so diverse and gets you involved in so many different areas. Well, talkability, I think, is a wonderful phrase that sort of captures it really neatly. It's a story. It's a, it's a form of storytelling, um, which... Uh, which which uh, points attention, I suppose, to a brand or a person and, uh, and allows the buzz to take over. I guess that's the essence. Yeah, no, that's, that's right. I mean, yeah, we are bombarded by messages every single day, thousands and thousands of them. And you need to be able to cut through and get people to sit up and pay attention. So in order to do that, you have to think slightly unconventionally and play around with different creative triggers to find a route that's going to get you noticed. And as I said, ultimately get people talking about the brand or the product or the person 
the campaign that you want them to talk about. Otherwise, it's just a waste of time just because the channels are there and they exist. It's, it's not difficult to get an audience, but it's difficult to get an audience's attention. And that's the skill of great PR. We often uh, talk about uh, this as an attention economy. You know, reach these days is easy. You know, reaching a, a huge number of people is easy, but capturing their attention and engaging them is very difficult. So more important than ever, I would say. The way, uh, let's talk about Lord Alan Sugar. Okay. The way that you met uh, Alan Sugar was quite unconventional uh, as well. As I understand it, you met him by pitching to his company Amstrad at the time and losing. Tell us that story. Yeah. Yeah, well, we had the chance quite early on in the days of Frank, I think we were only sort of three, four months old, to pitch for the Amstrad business. And we were very excited by the opportunity and to cut a long story short, probably delivered the Rolls Royce of all pitches because we were so hungry to win it. When actually all they really wanted was a very, very standard media relations, product focused campaign. So they phoned us up and they said, you know, we're not going to go with you on this occasion. To be honest, we don't really need this level of thinking and maybe we'll come to you next year when we've got a new product and sort of put the phone down and... I was sat there with Graham, we were like devastated. We were like, we just, this is the worst reason ever to, to lose. We tried to be too clever and we effed it up, basically. And so we got back on the phone and just said, look, we can do the basics. So give us a chance. You know, we really, really want the opportunity. And we were lucky they changed their mind. And they, I think they could see that we were genuinely hungry for the business and really wanted it. So they reversed their decision, gave us the business. Um, and originally, if I'm being honest about it, my strategy was sort of avoid Lord Sugar or Sir Alan as he was at the time. So, you know, there was no need to be in contact with him. You know, there was a marketing director, a marketing manager. And I just sort of felt a stay out of his way. And that's probably the best thing to do until we proved ourselves. But I'd bump into him at product launches or big events and over time he got to see the work we were doing we built up a bit of a relationship and when you look after someone in a personal capacity it's very much about trust understanding their ways of working and we we clicked I mean we're actually very very similar in terms of our work ethic and how we approach business and and I think that helped a lot our styles were very much aligned and over the years, just started to work closer and closer and closer with him. And, you know, it's now a relationship that goes back nearly 20 years. And I look after everything for him from sort of personal side of his business affairs through to, as you said in your introduction, all of the apprentice winners who go into partnership with him and set up businesses. I work with him on launching their businesses, um, as well as a whole array of other different businesses that he has an involvement with, which is pretty extensive. He's, you know, if you think I'm busy, have a look at what he's got going on. So. Well, he's, a, he's certainly a hero of mine. What an icon of British entrepreneurship and such a track record of giving people a break and seeing something in them that others perhaps can't. Uh, he won't remember this, but I actually met Lord Sugar, Alan, as he was then, in 1983. Uh, I was uh, living in New Zealand. I was in, in the UK uh, with my father. I was traveling uh, with him on business. And my father was uh, wanting to get the Amstrad license for New Zealand. And I joined him at a meeting. I didn't 
know who I was talking to, but I, I remember fondly uh, how welcoming and warm uh, uh, Lord Sugar was at that time. So um, he's uh, he holds a special place in my heart and certainly the, the hearts of many others uh, in, in the UK business scene. What are some of the most memorable PR projects? I know you a little bit. I'm very lucky. I, I've, I've been astounded, surprised, delighted by many of your ideas. They're off the wall. Um, how did you, how, you know, uh, how did you come up with this? I'm, I'm, I'm sort of thinking, what are some of your most memorable? There's been so many. It's like sort of asking me, who's my favorite child? Um, I mean, some of the most famous ones, there was all our work around um, compare the meerkats and making Alexander the meerkat a household name with more sort of social media followers. I think it was Katie Price was who he at the time have a podcast chat with David Hasselhoff and of course the meerkat toy, which you know to this day is still given away with every insurance policy. So, so that was great fun, you know, getting simples into the Oxford English Dictionary, launching in London Zoo meerkat enclosure. Um, working in the computer games industry, I've always loved, was very fortunate to work on Call of Duty um, and looked after a few of their global launches, which each one at the time was the biggest entertainment launch in history. And that was amazing to be part of something so huge. Um, more recently, some of the work we've done with Burger King, um, particularly around their, the meltdown campaign we did last year, which was where they eliminated the single-use plastic out of kids' meals and melted it down, not just theirs, but also their competitors, and repurposed it into useful stuff, so playgrounds in the restaurants, the plastic trays that you get your meals on. That was a lovely campaign. Um, and then maybe some of the sort of um, not-for-profit type stuff that we've done. So I work with a guy called Lewis Pugh, who's the... UN ambassador for the oceans and doing a lot of his campaign to promote oceans, protect marine areas, um, reduce global warming. I mean, I love working on things with purpose as well as things that are just fun and frivolous um, and numerous other things over the years. I mean, it, 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 there's so many and I've been so blessed to be able to work with so many brilliant clients. And I think the key to creativity is not only coming up with the ideas, but having a client that trusts you and is brave enough or stupid enough to kind of let you get on with it. Um, and I've had a fair few of them over the time that have just gone with it and we've done some mad stuff. Well, I, I'm, I'm getting some sense of that at the moment and it's um, un uncomfortably exciting, let, let me say. And, and some of your ideas are just, uh, well, all of your ideas really that I've, I've seen are, uh, are just awesome and... Um, how do you how is how does your process work? How do you come up with an idea? It's it's been twenty years, and you'd think everything's been done, but it hasn't, and everything feels fresh when you when you talk about it. How how do you do it? Well, I mean, when we were at Frank, we developed a bit of a methodology, um, which, to be honest, to myself and to Graham, was almost instinctive. But we wanted to be able to nurture a creative culture across the whole agency, and you can't just kind of take things out of your head without some sort of process if you want other people to follow it. So we used to play around with five different triggers that we felt would lead to this talkability. Um, so, you know, we'd look at conventions, how are things traditionally done in that industry and 
how can you break the convention? So I don't know if you're a food company, don't just do what every food company does. Why don't you look at the beauty industry and the conventions there or the travel industry and try and apply those? Um, you look at the zeitgeist and what's going on and probably more importantly, what is going to be happening in three months and six months in a year. You never, you always want to be ahead of the curve. So understanding trends and looking at what the world is moving towards is very, very important. You look at your messaging. So I think one of the skills of great PR is you just have to make sure that that message cuts through and is simple. So sometimes brands, especially when the brand owner is incredibly proud, wants to say loads of different things. And you have to cut through and think, what's that one unique thing that we want people to remember? And then go for that at all costs and not water it down. Look at imagery and how important an image can be to a story, how you can create something that um, will really hit home and, and be memorable. So you're, you're sort of playing around with these triggers. And then it's also having an understanding of what will make it in the media and with the public. And you know, if you look at great stories, they will always have one of a dozen or so different factors. So it might be humanity, humor, controversy, invented controversy, sex, um, all these different things that will time and time again make it into public consciousness. So you know, there's no point having a great idea if no one covers it, no one talks about it. So when you play around with those different areas, inevitably that will take you down a path of slightly disruptive thinking and you know there is no such thing as a new idea but there's always a different way of doing it a twist on it a better way of doing it and I think you know one of the things that I'm proud of at Frank is we you know that was the thing that always kept us awake at night and still does you know you're only as good as your next campaign so that sort of I guess like right through the heart of the organization the passion and the drive to keep coming up with the next great idea what's the award-winning campaign what's the one that's going to be famous and get everyone talking about and just being ruthless in terms of just pushing ourselves and pushing ourselves and i love that i mean the day you create boring work is the day you die and i never wanted that to happen well i i think you've just given a master class not only on pr uh, but on strategy uh, on innovation and on, on, on living life uh, in, in a way. I love that five-point framework. I'm, I'm definitely going to, I've written it down, I'm going to use that. Uh, fantastic gold there. So what's next for you? Oh, who knows? Um, what's next for me? So as, as I said, I stepped back from Frank full-time. I'm still involved in a non-exec capacity, but I kind of freed up my Monday to Friday, um, no client responsibilities or day-to-day -day sort of HR type stuff. So I'm... Um, it's given me a lot more time. So I've joined a few different boards in an advisory capacity, um, a PR technology company um, called Propel, um, the M&A company, PCV, which is about looking for companies that um, want to sell or helping the big holding groups, the um, management services firms and the like, find interesting agencies to build to their portfolio. Um, there's a new venture I'm um, getting involved with shortly in the recruitment space, which is all about competency-based assessment, mixing that with video technology and really sort of being able to hire the best people and then 
motivate and assess, retain them throughout the organization. Um, I got involved with the Prince's Trust. Um, so I sit on the business launch group, which is helping young entrepreneurs develop their business plans, get funding from the Prince's Trust um, and deliver success through that. Um, there's other stuff I won't bore you with. Um, and then of course, working with you on big community records, which is, you know, we've been doing for the last couple of months and, and I've really enjoyed that. I love everything that BCR are doing, what, what their aims, their objectives are and working with our first artist, Quasi Court. And, you know, as you know, I'm not a music industry expert, but what I've tried to do is apply some of the learnings that I've gained over the years in terms of how brands have built their profiles, how other talent have built their profile and, and apply that to Quasi. And just because the music industry has always been run in the same way doesn't mean it has to be going forward. And I know that was part of your motivation as well was linking the technology side to the music industry. Well, from my perspective, it's linking the brand side um, and other areas of artist management to a music act. Um, and I think, you know, what's brilliant is we've found an amazing talent who, who is, is just a genius in musical terms, but also has a brilliant story to tell as a human being. And that storytelling actually has made my life so much easier because I'm not having to manufacture this fantastic backstory. He's got it and some. So I'm enjoying that too. And then, you know, over and above that, I'm still helping out with... I consult different agencies across the marketing sector, helping them with their proposition of how to differentiate themselves in the market, how to grow, how to attract new business, um, and individuals as well. I spend as much time as I can mentoring young people and helping them on their journey. And, you know, that for me, I get so much pleasure sort of trying to apply some of the learnings I've made and mistakes that I've made over the years to others so that they can benefit from that. So, and then, yeah, take a day off here and there. <laughs> Good on you. Well, I, I feel um, absolutely blessed, privileged uh, every day uh, to have so much contact with you. I'm certainly learning uh, as much as I've uh, ever learned uh, about your craft and, and your talent. And uh, we certainly feel very privileged uh, and proud uh, to call you part of the, the team as a group advisor on Big Community Records and uh, and get some of that gold dust. I'm going to leave the, the final word to you. Many people watching this will have just finished school. Maybe they've picked up their A-levels recently uh, or leaving university, uh, looking for their first job, maybe young entrepreneurs starting a business or others who have been in, in a profession for some time thinking about a career pivot with a triggered by COVID or otherwise, what advice would you have for them, Andrew? I think, well, look, the timing is opportune because I think A-level results came out yesterday. Um, and there are people that feel hard done by, let down, disappointed in a pretty sort of exceptional scenario where they weren't actually able to take their exams. My son gets his GCSE results next week and I'm terrified on his behalf. But... Uh, certainly from my perspective, qualifications aren't the be-all and end of it. It's all about attitude. Um, and what I would say to any young person is get as much experience as you can. 
learn everything, read everything. If you're passionate about something, just soak it up. And it's so easy to do. It's not like when I was a kid and you had to go to a library, you know, you've got this thing called Google, you might have heard of it, Craig, where, you know, the world is there for you to just suck up and learn everything. You can contact business owners in a way that you could never do before. You can follow them on social media. You can engage with them. Get work experience. Get your foot in the door. Start not only to do it to look good on the CV, but to actually understand what the workplace is all about. And then when you find something that you're passionate about and you're interested in, follow that dream and just go for it. I mean, it's really now, I think, you know, one of the things that I've seen coming out of COVID is just the rise of the entrepreneur, like at a faster and quicker pace than I've ever seen it. Because unfortunately, people have found themselves out of work, unhappy with work, unable to continue with their work because of circumstances. And, you know, rather than just sitting there trying to find a job in another organisation, you're seeing these young people suddenly with the bravery to think, do you know what? No one's waiting for me. I might as well get on and do it myself and setting up businesses. And the amount of people I speak to that are in their early 20s and they've set up businesses and, you know, all really following their dream and their passion, which to me is key. You've got to understand and know, you know, you can't just start an airline overnight. You know, you have to know what, what area you're interested in, do something within the realms of possibility and feasibility. But I'm just seeing more and more and more people do that. And, and to me, that's one of the great benefits. I've seen, you know, in the last four or five months, 10 PR agencies launch by people that I know from, from the industry, which, you know, is incredible in this day and age. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable, but, but brilliant. You know, there is space for everyone. And as long as you find your niche, something that sets you apart from everyone else, a reason for people to work with you, there's enough business for everyone. So I don't know if that was advice or just a ramble, but... Well, it's a, a message of both hope and opportunity, the rise of the entrepreneur and seeing seeing uh, opportunity in, uh, in what may be adversity or challenging circumstances at least. Andrew Block, you're an inspiration to me and many others. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Craig. Thanks for having me.